days, we are glad that you're here. And I mean that. And I don't think I have to tell you. I want you just to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. I want you to preach tonight like you're at home. And you just obey God and you tell us what you feel on your heart. I'm hungry to hear the voice of the Lord. How about you? Amen. Would you say this with me? Preach to me. Preach to me, Brother Mays. Come and take your liberty. God bless you. Oh, let's love him tonight. Oh, let's love the Lord. Amen. Let's love him. Oh, you've been good to us, God. You've been good to us, God. You've been good to us. I bless your name. I bless your name. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, somebody love him. Ah, do you feel the presence of the Lord in the house? Can you feel the presence of the Lord in the house? Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, you've been good to me, God. You've been good to me. You've been good to me. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, man, my, my, my. Uh, just be seated for a minute. Let me get some things out of the way here. Um, I am a brand new grandpa. Amen. And I've never been a grandpa before. Amen. First one. And uh, I think I'm already getting it. <laughs> Amen. I, uh, he's, uh, we call him Screech Monkey. Amen. <laughs> and uh, you'd have to understand Amen. Uh, why we uh, call him Screech Monkey. Amen. Uh, uh, he he can let out some screams. I'm telling you. <laughs> and uh, but uh, thankful for safe delivery from my daughter. Uh, only thing is, she's quite a ways away. Amen. Uh, and uh, I was out there. We uh, we drove the first time. And because uh, we had a whole truck full of diapers, <laughs> I mean a truck full, and uh, so uh, then, uh, Mama, uh, we just got back from the Elder Calvert's funeral, and uh, uh, she told me she said, "Man, I feel like I need to go out there, and it's my daughter's birthday this week, and then the next day is their anniversary. So guess what she's going to do? She's going to watch the baby." Amen. <laughs> so uh, she said to tell you all she loved you, and uh, she'll catch you the next time, as long as the baby don't get in the way. <laughs> Amen. It's so good to be here. I said it's so good to be here. And I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, and uh, is anybody going to help me preach tonight? Are you really going to help me preach? Amen. Let me say, to follow up on what your pastor said, uh, I go to the doctor this Thursday, and uh, I'm going to hopefully find out some more. And I was having what he called critical AFib. And uh, uh, Brother Garrett told me, he said, Brother Maisie said, that stuff will kill you. I said, well, that's really encouraging. <laughs> So, but uh, I'm, I believe in God, amen, the medicine that they've got me on, and uh, they're talking about doing a procedure called ablation, and uh, 
I just believe in God. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn me to John chapter 3, verse 8, Acts chapter 2, amen, verse number 1, and Acts chapter 4. I'm going to take three, amen, different verses of text, and uh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I thought as we were singing that song, like a mighty wind blowing through the house. Oh, God. Mm. John 3 and 8, when you have it, say praise the Lord. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou heareth the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. Mm. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Everybody could almost quote this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say all. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Then Acts chapter 4 verse 31. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. Amen. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. In our first text reading, Jesus tells Nicodemus, that the wind blows where it listeth, or in other words, wherever it pleases. And we can hear the sound of it, but we cannot tell from whence it comes or where it goes. And then Jesus adds, so it is of everyone that's born of the Spirit. In our second text reading, it's very familiar of those, to those of us who are one God, tongue-talking apostolics, because we know for a fact that the Holy Ghost, amen, wasn't only for the 120 Souls who had gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It didn't end there. In fact, that was just the beginning. We know for a fact, amen, that the day of Pentecost was not the only time that the Holy Ghost uh, was poured out. And we know for a fact the Holy Ghost was not just for the early church because we've received the Holy Ghost ourselves. Ah, uh, somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. And so... In these, in, well, let me just go ahead. Uh, I'm going to take my time tonight. Is that all right? Uh, our second, uh, amen, text reading, amen, again, is in the second chapter of Acts. And uh, in these four verses of Scripture, we read that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I want you to just look what happens when the church will get together with one accord. 
Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues uh, like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. Uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues uh, as the Spirit gives the utterance. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Amen. And this is where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was empowered uh, Amen. With a supernatural power from on high. The power of the Holy Ghost not only came on them, but it also came in them and empowered them just like Jesus said that it would. Well, this power and this anointing that came upon them sent them directly into the line of fire. And extreme spiritual warfare began to break out against them. The infant church was immediately thrust into the heat of the battle. And they started experiencing great persecution. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 4 and our third text verse, they have been arrested, thrown in jail, threatened and commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. In other words, the Holy Ghost power and anointing was by now getting tested, tried and assaulted quite severely. And I'll give you a title of what I'm going to preach in a few minutes. But right now, just let me stop here long enough uh, to tell someone that might be feeling a little bit like this early church. Uh, you've been attacked. Uh, you've been getting beat up badly. You've been intimidated, and your faith uh, has taken a brutal blow. Uh, you've been had some hard knocks. Uh, amen. You've been knocked down. Uh, you've been bloody. You might have even had the breath knocked out of you a time or two. Uh, but I've come to this pulpit to preach to you uh, and tell you to be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel because the wind of Pentecost is still blowing. Ever since the day of Pentecost, there's been a fresh wind blowing. But what we need to do is let it blow on each of us. Amen. If we were to go back to the third chapter of Acts, you would read where the story of Peter and John going up into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And as Peter and John passed through what's referred to as the beautiful gate on their way to the temple, they saw a man who laid there daily to beg alms. And Peter told the man, look on us. Amen. The beggar looked up, no doubt expecting to receive some coins. But Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Peter then took the beggar by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately the lame man, uh, feet and ankle bones received strength, and he stood up uh, leaping and walking and entered into the temple with Peter and John, walking and leaping and praising God. And that's when all the trouble started. You see, whenever God moves, the devil gets mad. And he always starts trouble. The healing of the lame man attracted a lot of attention because you can read where all the people saw this man walking, leaping, and praising God, and they knew it was the same man uh, that had set uh, begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, uh, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him, and they started asking questions. Uh, so Peter, taking advantage of an opportunity, he started preaching. And the devil hates apostolic preaching. 
The devil hates apostolic authority. The devil, oh help, I just felt that. I said the devil hates apostolic authority. Amen. Amen. The devil hates this one God message of truth. The devil hates apostolic preaching because apostolic preaching works. Amen. The devil hates it when people hear the word and come to know the truth. Amen. The truth shall make them free. The devil hates it when the Holy Ghost moves and people get deliverance. The devil hates it. Amen. When people are set free from physical illness, mental oppression, or spiritual bondage by this apostolic truth. Can I hear an Amen. And that's what happened to the lame man in Acts chapter 3. And then look what happens in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And as they, Peter and John, spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold uh, unto the next day, for it was now eventide. You see, the devil's not the only one that hates this apostolic truth. The religious establishment also hate it. The hypocrites, the charlatans, and those who love their institutionalized and organizational brand of formalized and ritualistic dogma, they hate it. They hate it when there's a mighty move of the Spirit of God because it doesn't fit into their preconceived religious thought process. It doesn't fit into their stiff and starchy formalized ceremonial package of how they think that God should be and what he can or cannot do. And after keeping Peter and John locked up all night, the rulers and the elders and scribes along with Annas the high priest and Cephas, amen, a whole bunch more, amen, who were either cohorts or relatives of the high priest, uh, were gathered together at Jerusalem, uh, and they brought those two Nestorius uh, uh, apostolic criminals into their kangaroo court system. And when they'd set them in the midst of them, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? And after being locked up all night, Peter was prayed up, fired up, full of the Holy Ghost power and ready to preach again. And given yet another opportunity to preach, he did what he did best. He preached. Uh, and I can imagine Peter saying, uh, uh, you say what you, you want to know by what means this lame man is made whole, so I'm going to tell you in no uncertain terms. Uh, and verses 10 through 12, he declared, be it known unto you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, uh, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set it not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Oh, the response totally blew those of the religious establishment away, and they didn't know what to do or say, because verses 13 and 14 of Acts chapter 4 tells us, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus and beholding the man which was healed standing with them they could say nothing against it and I'm not going to take the time to read through the entire fourth chapter of Acts 
Amen. But if and when you do, you will find that Annas the high priest, uh, along with his reprobate cohorts, made Peter and John go outside their secret chamber so they could discuss the matter, amen, in private among themselves. And when Peter and John were out of hearing, they said, what are we going to do with these men? We have to acknowledge that there is a notable miracle that's been done by them, and we cannot deny it. So the whole bunch of degenerate rascals decided to threaten Peter and John, commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But all their threatenings didn't work because Peter and John replied, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Somebody bless him. I love you, Jesus. I love, I love you, Jesus. And so not being able to detain them any longer, they had to let them go because they had nothing they could punish them for. They knew that they couldn't punish Peter and John for their part in the lame man being healed. So they released them, and Peter and John went back to their company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Now, I know by now you think I've forgotten to give you a title or that I'm just rambling. I'm going somewhere. And yes, I'm going to give you a title in just a few more minutes. But first notice what happens when Peter and John go back and report to the church what all has happened, amen, and what they were threatened with. Verse 24 says that after Peter and John finished telling the church about their ordeal, that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And verses 29 to 30, we read how they prayed and what they said, for it reads, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants uh, that with all boldness they may speak the word, uh, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. Uh, and now we finally come to our third text verse. Uh, amen. Verse 31, which says, And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, when they had prayed, uh, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Uh, we know that we must have the same kind of power if we are going to be effective uh, in reaching our world like they reached their world. Uh, we are in need of the power of God. Uh, we need God's power in our life. Uh, we've got to have that same power. Uh, we can't live an overcoming life without God's power to guide and direct, uh, because if all we have is our own power, we'll surely fail. Yet, many people struggle through life just getting by, never seeing the power of God move in their lives, never understanding all the power of the fullness of God is available to them. We need an infusion of old-fashioned Holy Ghost uh, spiritual power in the church today. If we are going to win the lost, uh, if we're going to have an impact on our community, uh, if we're going to build this church, uh, if we're going to do anything for God, we have to have the supernatural uh, power of God in the church today. We have access to the greatest power of all, resurrection power. The early church had this power to change the world, so we know we need it. We have access. Access to it, but how do we attain it? 
Somebody say, bless the Lord, O my soul. We get it the way the early church got it. We pray it down. Take another look at that verse again. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken uh, where they assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Uh, do you see what happens right here? Uh, they got a second wind. Uh, that was the same wind that blew through the upper room in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and it was blowing again here in Acts chapter 4. Uh, and what the early church did that day was to catch the second wind. Uh, and for all of you that have been waiting for a time, I just gave it to you. I'm going to preach catch the second wind my god ah, there's somebody here that needs to catch the second wind oh god there's somebody here that needs it desperately and you can my god you can catch it in the name of jesus There's a phrase that we have all become familiar with, especially as it relates to a runner in a race. It's the phrase, a second wind. It's often experienced by a runner who has run until they have reached the point of exhaustion. Typically, just before they catch the second wind, uh, most uh, runners feel like their lungs are about to explode uh, and every muscle in their body is on fire uh, and telling them to quit. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere uh, and without any explanation for it, uh, amen, uh, comes a sudden revitalization and energy and strength to keep running. Uh, it actually seems to be almost supernatural. Uh, and in many cases, this has actually pushed uh, the runner into the winner's circle. Uh, some scientists believe this phenomenon uh, that they call the second wind uh, to be the result of the body finding the proper balance of oxygen to counteract the buildup of the lactic acid in the muscles. Uh, others claim it to be uh, uh, due to endorphin production, which others believe it to be purely psychological. Regardless of the cause of it, there is no disputing the fact that it actually happens. The phenomenon has uh, come to be used as a metaphor uh, for new energy and new strength at the point of exhaustion. Uh, amen. Oh, can I hear an amen? Uh, oh, God. And recently I was talking, uh, amen, with a brother, and, and uh, he marveled at how long, I marveled at how long uh, uh, that he had worshipped. Uh, and he said it seemed like he caught a second wind. Uh, and I said that's exactly what needs to happen happen to the church. We need to catch the second wind. Far too many of God's people have reached the point of exhaustion. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. The devil is using any means and method amen that he can to steal the breath of God's people. And from Genesis to Revelation, the devil is identified as a snake and a serpent. Jesus said that we would tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. And the devil is likened to a serpent in the Bible. Let me deal with one specific type of serpent. The python is known to grow up to 30 feet in length and weigh up to 300 pounds. The python does not kill with venom. The python kills its prey by coiling around its victim uh, and constricting and squeezing them. Uh, each time the victim takes a breath and exhales, uh, the python constricts uh, and keeps this going until the victim cannot breathe. Uh, the python literally suffocates uh, the victim. It squeezes the very life 
breath out of them. The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 that in the last days the devil will speak great words against the Most High and he will wear out the saints of the Most High. Wear out means to afflict, to harass, to exhaust, to push to fainting or weariness, to put under continuous pressure or strain. And I know that many of us have been under attack. Amen. It's been continuous, nonstop, unrelenting. Amen. No relief and one thing after another. Amen. You've been under pressure physically. Amen. Mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Every time you get the victory in one area, the devil hits you from another side. Amen. What's happening? It's nothing more than the enemy of our soul trying to drive you to the point of exhaustion. He's trying to wear you out. He's trying to squeeze the very breath of life out of you. Breath is life. Breath is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. If you have no life in you, you're no threat to the devil. The valley of bones was no threat to the devil. But there stood up a mighty army ready to do battle with hell. 120 discouraged followers of Jesus in an upper room in Jerusalem were no threat to the devil. But all of a sudden, the Russian mighty wind of God began to blow and fill them all with the Holy Ghost and commission them with tongues of fire and they turned the world upside down. 300 foxes were no threat to the Philistine until Samson put them in pairs and tied them tail to tail and set a firebrand between their tails. They became weapons of mass destruction. They burned up the cornyards, the vineyards, and the olives. Amen. That's what the devil is afraid of. Can I hear an amen? The fire of God. The devil's not afraid of our programs, of our singing, of our preaching, our church attendance, our talent, even our knowledge of the Bible doesn't scare him. Uh, but what gives the devil nightmares and sends shockwaves through hell is a church on fire. Amen. A church that's alive. When the preachers are on fire, the singers are on fire, the greeters are on fire. When the sound man's on fire, the Sunday school teachers are on fire. When everything we do is driven by the wind of God, when the wind blows, that changes everything. When the blue wind blew in the book of Genesis, an earth that was dark and void suddenly came to life. Trees and grass and birds and fish. Animals suddenly came into being where before there had been nothing. Oh, help me, God. Somebody stand up and praise him. It was a wind, be seated, from God that divided the Red Sea from the children of Israel across over. It was a wind from God that closed the same Red Sea on Pharaoh and all his army. It was a wind from God that dried up the waters from the earth after the flood. 
It was a wind from God that brought the plagues of locusts upon Egypt. And it was a wind from God that took them away. It was a wind from God, amen, that brought in the quail to feed the complaining Israelites. It was a wind from God that brought the rain that ended a three and a half year drought. It was the wind of God that turned that valley of dry bones into a mighty army. And it was the wind of God that blew through that upper room on the day of Pentecost and turned a bunch of broken hearted discouraged disciples into the greatest force for God the earth had ever seen and gave birth to the New Testament church. Then in our reading it tells us many of the same disciples were gathered together in prayer because of their faith, because of their boldness and their testimony of Jesus Christ, they had been persecuted. In fact, they had been threatened and commanded not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. But they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. Then instead of gathering together and complaining and comparing their wounds, they did what just seemed right. They prayed. Essentially what they said was, God, we need more power. We need a double dose. And that's where Acts chapter 4, 39 and 40 come into picture. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed. There's no substitute for prayer. And when they had prayed. The place was shaken. Where they were and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. They got a second wind, a refilling, a fresh anointing, a fresh fire, a fresh baptism. Then in, in chapter 5, verse 12, we read, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. I know by what I feel I'm preaching to some people today who are tired, worn out. Many of you have even been to the point of exhaustion. You feel like you've had the breath knocked out of you. Some of feel like you're running on empty. Amen. You love God, but that spirit from hell has been squeezing the very life out of you. You couldn't understand what was happening. You see that spirit from hell counts on you struggling and fighting because when you struggle and kick and fight, you exert energy and you exhale breath and he just tightens his grip. But that devil has been exposed today and that spirit is being broken right now. And right now, God's sending a second wind. Somebody reach out and grab a hold of it. Ah, that's why we've gathered together in this place right now. We need the wind of God, and God's sending the second wind. Oh, help me, God. A fresh wind ah, into your life. You're going to breathe again. This church will breathe again. This church will breathe again.
You're going to breathe again, and it's not going to be like a spiritual asthma or like you have to fight for every breath. Never has the church needed more of a fresh wind of Pentecost, a second wind from heaven, a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. The great need of the church is a fresh anointing, a fresh fire from heaven. I'm preaching God is sending a second wind right now. You're not going under. You're going over. You're not going to be defeated. You're going to be victorious. Uh, today we're putting the serpent under our feet where he belongs. Uh, praise God right where you are. Lift your hands. Uh, amen. Begin to breathe. Uh, inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Something's breaking right now. The anointing is destroying the yoke right now. There's a fresh anointing coming your way, the second wind, the breath of God. It's not a sin to run out of gas. We've all been there. And it's not a sin to run out of bath. Amen. Breath, we've all been there. But my friend, the sin is believing you can't keep it on in your own strength and your own effort. You neglect the presence and the power of God to just keep trudging. Amen. Along in the strength of the flesh. I don't care who you are, how spiritual you are, or how anointed you are. You will at some point in time run out of gas. You will hit the wall. You will need a second wind. And the good news is the same Holy Ghost that appeared in Acts chapter 2 was the same Holy Ghost that filled the room in Acts chapter 4. And it's the same Holy Ghost that wants to fill this room. It wants to fill this place. If you need the Holy Ghost, you need to get up here right now. I said, come on, somebody, come on. You need a renewing, come on. You need the power of God. Musicians, come on. You need the power of God. Oh, Holy Ghost, right now, right now. 